say good morning, and I want to begin by, by kind of giving a little quick, uh, I'm calling it a pop quiz, but you know, of all the topics that a pastor can talk about, what is by common consensus the most sensitive topic a pastor talks about? Money, right? Okay, good news. Not talking about money today. Everybody can relax, say, okay, I can, I can enjoy this one, okay? It is, what I want to talk about today is not the most sensitive topic that a pastor talks about, but I'm convinced it is the most difficult topic that a pastor talks about. And I want to tell you why I believe that. We've been talking about the last few weeks about missing persons. And we have defined a missing person as anyone who is far from God, who needs to be brought near to God. Anybody who does not have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ is an empty person. That's represented by the empty chairs. Every empty table, every, every empty chair in this room right now that you're sitting next to or in front of behind, that represents somebody that's missing. God has an amber alert out on them, and it's our job to go and find them and locate them, witness to them, share with them, invite them, and do everything we can to bring them near to God. And as a matter of fact, we shared with you, if you remember a couple weeks ago, the very first command that Jesus ever gave to anyone was to go out and find missing persons and invite them to come and draw near to God. And the way, as a matter of fact, he put that to his first disciples, you remember, he said, if you follow me, I will make you a fisher for people. I'll make you go fish for people. Now, there's a term that we use for that in, in the New Testament and, and in the church, and that term is evangelism. How many of you have ever heard the term evangelism? Okay. Some of you, most of you have, all right? Now, when I say the word evangelism, here's what happens to a lot of you. You get heartburn. You do. Your, your stomach gets into a knot. Because I'm absolutely convinced, as I talk to people, the single most difficult part of the Christian life for the average follower of Christ is evangelism. You'll pray, you'll come to church, you'll read your Bible, you'll give your money, you'll, you'll go out and you'll cut somebody's yard, or you'll write a thank you note, or you'll do all kinds of things. But when it comes to actually going out and trying to fill these empty chairs, here's our problem. We know we need to do it. We know that we ought to do it. We know that other people need us to do it. But here's the cold, hard fact. Most of us never do it. Well, I mean, I'm not fussing at you. I'm just stating a fact. Most of us never do it. And, 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 and those that do sometimes get their, kind of step their foot in the water and try to do it, you feel inadequate doing it. You get stressed out doing it. And then when, when you go through a series like I've been going through, you feel guilty for not doing it. You know, you, many of you have walked out the door the last two or three weeks, and here's what you said to yourself. I know the pastor's right. I know I ought to be filling these empty chairs. I know there are people I need to be inviting. I know I ought to be out there fishing for people. I, I, but, but, you know, I'm not gifted to do it. I, I don't know how to do it. I feel so inadequate to do it. I just can't do it. And, and here's what's even worse. Not only is, and just being honest, for most of us, the most difficult thing we're asked to do for those of us who have tried to do it, sometimes it can be one of the most frustrating experiences you can imagine. Because if, and I don't want you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many of you are out there, and the reason why you don't do it is you say, well, I tried it one time and it didn't work, and I just felt like I was a miserable failure. I just felt like it really wasn't for me. Uh, I, I can't even begin to tell you, I can't even begin to tell you how frustrating it is to share Jesus with someone and to tell someone about how to have a relationship with Jesus and do everything you can to turn a missing person into a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and you have this conversation, and at every point you make with them, they'll nod their head and, and you know, 
still. They'll say yes, and you think, man, this, this fish is biting, and you think, man, I'm gonna. This is like taking candy from a baby. I'm gonna reel this sucker in, you know. And 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 so, you, and, and here's the way the conversation will go. You'll say, uh, so so you understand that that you're a sinner in need of a savior. Yes. And you understand that Christ died on the cross for your sins. Yes. And you understand that God raised him from the dead and he's alive right now. Yes. And you understand that he wants to forgive you of all of your sins and give you eternal life. Yes. You understand he wants to give you a meaningful life and, and he wants to give you a life that's worthwhile. Yes. And you understand that all of this is absolutely free. It's all because of God's grace and God's love. Yes. Wonderful. Wouldn't you like to receive Christ into your heart? No. And I have to be honest. There have been a few times that's happened to me, I have come the closest to committing a felony. I, I think it's called assault and battery with intent to cause great harm. I mean, there have been times you just feel like going, you just, you just want to grab, are you kidding me? You moron, what's wrong with you? You've, you've, you've affirmed everything I've said to you, and yet you still say no. Now, if you've been here for this series, and all it's done is make you feel guilty, you walked in here going, I know the pastor's right. I know what Jesus wants me to do. I know I'm supposed to be a fisher of men, and I'm not out there doing it. I'm not out there really trying to fill empty chairs. And, and you, you say, I, I'll just be honest. No, I'm not out there looking for missing persons. I don't have any hooks in the water. I'm not trying to fish for people because I don't feel like I know how to do it. I don't feel like I'm gifted to do it. I feel like I'd make things worse if I did try to do it. There is a story I want you to hear. If you brought a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn to the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the first Gospel. It's the first book in the New Testament. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 13 because Jesus told his disciples a story that if you're in the boat that I just talked about today, if you're, if you're sitting there saying, you know what, you're, you're really hitting me between the eyes, you're right, Pastor. This is the most difficult part of the Christian life to me. I can do almost anything else you ask me to do and be glad to do it, but when you ask me to evangelize, when you you ask me to go look for missing people, when you ask me to get involved in inviting people to Christ, I'm telling you, I, my, my, my gut gets in a knot, my blood pressure goes off the chart, I just get stressed out, I just don't think I can do it, and even if I did try, I think I'd mess it up, I'd probably drive people away rather than draw people near. You need to listen to this story. Because the reason why that Jesus told this story is to put this whole matter of missing persons in the right perspective. And what you're going to learn today is what your role is, what the role of the missing person is, and what God's role is. Now, we're going to look today at a parable. And I don't know if you know much about the Bible. I pretend that a lot of you don't. So let me just kind of tell you what a parable is, okay? Jesus loved to tell parables. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons why people love to hear Jesus, he was a storyteller. And everybody loves a good storyteller, and Jesus was a fantastic storyteller. And he had a way of telling people truth by, by stories that we call parables. Now, if you don't know what a parable is, let me give you a very simple definition. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a natural story with a spiritual meaning. Now, there are several reasons why I believe the parable that we're going to look at this morning may be the most important of all the parables that Jesus told. Let me tell you why I think that may be true. Jesus told about 40 different parables. For, of all those parables, this is only one of two that has a title to it. Jesus actually gives this parable a title. 
It's only one of three that Jesus himself gives the interpretation to. He interprets the parable because he wants to make sure we don't understand what he meant by this story. It's only one of three parables that's found in all three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in all three of those Gospels, it is the first parable that Jesus ever told. So I've got a kind of a feeling this may be the most important parable of all. As a matter of fact, somebody uh, that I was studying about said, it's not only the first parable, it is a foundational parable. It is a parable about all the parables. Now, let me take you back, and then we're going to get into this story. Remember I told you at the beginning of the year that the first sermon that Jesus ever preached was a sermon on the kingdom of God. And, you know, the very first thing ever came out of it, it was a a one-sentence sermon. You'd love to hear Jesus preach, right? One-sentence sermon, you said, amen, you got to go to the restaurant. He got up and he said, okay, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus made it plain that the kingdom is a kingdom of God's word. And what this parable is, is simply a story about receiving that word. Now, it's a very simple story. And that's one of the things I love about Jesus. You know, I tell people all the time, we try to complicate the simple. Jesus came to simplify the complicated. And and, and Jesus tells a very simple story. There's a farmer. This farmer goes out to the field and he sows some seed. Now, the seed falls on different types of soil. And the quality of the soil determines whether or not the planting of that seed is successful and produces a harvest. And when you read the story, you're going to find there are three major components. There are three major players, if you will, in this story. There's the sower, there's the seed, and there's the soil. Now, before we go any further, let me identify what each of these represent. And I'm not guessing at it because Jesus himself tells us. Okay, you ready? This is good. The sower is you and me. You're in this story. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are the sower. So the sower is the follower of Christ, the disciple. The seed is the word of God, the gospel, the message of the kingdom. That is the seed. The soil is the heart of the missing person that you're trying to reach. So there's three people in the story. There's the sower, that's us. There's the seed, it's the word of God. And then you've got the heart of the missing person, that is the soil. Everybody ready? So now we're going to jump into the parable. Matthew 13, verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, when you read that parable, if you just a very cursory reading of the parable, and it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out where the focus of the parable is. The focus is not on the sower. Right? He's not even identified. He's not even given a name. We don't even know who the guy is. Just, he's, just a, he's just Freddie Farmer. He's just a sower. The focus is not on the seed. All the seed does is just scattered. You're just throwing seed out. Focus is not on the sower. Focus is not on the seed. The focus are on the soils. Because the only thing that changes in the story are the soils. The sower, same sower at the beginning is the same sower at the end. 
Seed. Same seed at the beginning, same seed at the end. The sower doesn't change. The seed doesn't change. The only thing that changes is the soil. Why is that? Because the only variable in the story that determines failure or success is the soil on which the seed falls. Everybody got that? So let me, let me, let me kind of put it to you now in a way that you understand it and bring it up to where we are in this series. Jesus is telling us that the one thing that determines success in reaching that empty chair. The one thing that will determine whether or not we can turn that empty chair into a chair where somebody is sitting on that chair. The one thing that will determine our success in reaching missing people. You ready? The one thing that will determine it, it is not the sower. It is not the seed. It is the soil. It's not the messenger that makes the difference. It's not even the message that makes the difference. It is the receptivity of the heart of the missing person that determines whether or not our evangelism is a success or not in terms of a hardest. Now, I want you to notice one other thing, and then we're going to really let Jesus interpret this story for us. You will notice there is nothing wrong with the sower. There's nothing wrong with how he sows the seed. In other words... The, the, the reason why in, in a lot of the ground he didn't have a harvest, it was not because he did something wrong with the seed. It wasn't his method. It wasn't, well, if you'd, if you'd sowed the seed in a better fashion, it might, have, you, it might have grown up. There was nothing wrong with a sower. You'll notice there's nothing wrong with a seed. It's not that he had some good seed and some bad seed. All of it was very good seed. There's nothing wrong with the composition of the soil. It's just dirt. That's all it is. It's just dirt. The problem is the condition of the soil. And right here we find the key point of the parable. This is the key takeaway. This is what I want you to walk out the door with this morning. You want to write this down. Listen to this. Our part is to sow. God's job is to grow. All right, let's say that together. Our part is to sow. God's job is to grow, okay? If you are a Florida gator, you can understand that. I mean, it's not that hard, right? Our part is to sow. Is that right, Richard Dodson? That's right, right? All right, our part is to sow. God's job is to grow. So let me put it to you another way. Ready? We can do our part, but only God can reach the heart. We can do our part. And that's all I'm asking you to do. That's all Jesus asked his disciples to do. That's all Jesus wants you to do. Just do your part. But only God can reach the heart. Now watch this. We can't do his job. His job is to grow. God won't do our job. Our job is to sow. So we learn that in the interpretation that Jesus himself gives in this parable, that's what we're going to learn. Now remember, there are three players in this thing that we call reaching missing people, or to use that one word term, evangelism. There are always three players in, the, in, the, in evangelism. There's you and me, there's the missing person, and there's God. And every one of them has a different role to play. I want you to see what those are, all right? First thing I want you to write down. Our part is sowing the seed. Our part is sowing the seed. So there's no misunderstanding of what Jesus meant by this story. Now he tells us in his own words. Listen to verse 18. 
Hear then the parable of the sower. I love what Jesus does. He said, listen, this parable is so important. This story is so crucial. You won't understand a lot of everything else I teach if you don't get this parable. So I'm going to interpret the parable for you. I'm going to tell you myself what I meant by this story. Here is the parable of the sower when anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So Jesus says to the disciples, All right, yes, you, you know what the seed is, right? The seed is the word of the kingdom. In Luke's version of the parable, he puts it this way. Now, the parable is, is this. The seed is the word of God. Now, it's very easy for me to understand why Jesus would compare the word of God and the message of the kingdom to seed. Because a seed only has one function. A seed is to be productive. A seed is to bear fruit. A seed is to produce a harvest. Now, by the way, do you know how a believer is produced from an unbeliever? Do you know how it is that an empty chair goes to being a filled person? Real simple. By having the Word of God planted in their heart. 1 Peter 1.23 says this. You have been born again. If you'd sit there and you'd say, hey, pastor, I've been born again. You know how that happened? You've been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. Now, don't miss the importance of the fact that the sower went out to sow the seed, and Jesus said the seed is the Word of God. This is why that's such a big deal. A seed cannot plant itself. The only way a seed is worth anything, some farmer's got to come along, take that seed, and go plant it into the ground. All the seed in the world is useless if a sower does not go out and sow it. All the best seed in the world is no good if it stays in the, in the, in the warehouse. If it, if it doesn't get out of the warehouse, it doesn't do any good. By the way, this is the warehouse. Everybody with me? So if all the seed does is stay here, it won't do any good. The, this is the warehouse. The world is the field. So the farmer cannot do his job sitting in the house. Now, I'm glad you come to the house. I'm glad you're in the warehouse. I'm glad you're in the grain storage bin. I'm glad that you came. But our job is not to leave the seed in the warehouse. Our job is to take the seed in the world. You've got to get out to the field. If you're a fisherman, you can't, you can't fish in the desert. You can't fish on dry land. You've got to get out on the water. In other words, what Jesus is saying is this, guys. Missing persons will never be found if nobody is looking for them. The empty chairs will never be filled if we're not out there looking for them. On the other hand, the farmer has to go with the seed and the fisherman has to go with the bait. By the way, that's why the preaching and teaching of God's Word ought to be central in every church. That's why we, there's a, there's a, there is an architectural reason why in our church this platform and this pulpit is in front and center of this whole building because it's our philosophical way of saying that everything we do here has to be under the preaching of the Word of God. Now, here's what I don't want you to miss. What really matters in the story, this is, this is huge. What really matters in the story is not how the seed was scattered. What matters is that the seed was scattered. The success or failure of the seed does not depend on the technique of the sower. I mean, listen, if you're a farmer, I do not mean to embarrass you. I really don't. I don't mean to belittle you because I think farming is very important. The Bible holds a very high view of farming, and I do too. But I'm just, I'm just going to call it like it is. You don't have to go to Georgia Tech to learn how to sow seed. You, you don't have to have an engineering degree from MIT to know how to sow seed. Sowing seed is a very low-tech operation. 
Now, here's how they would do it. The sower would wear, a little, the farmer or sower would wear a pouch. He would grab some seed and he would put that seed in the fold of his outer garment. He'd make a pouch out of it. And then he would walk out into the fields and he'd just take that seed and here's all he's doing. He was just scattering the seed. He was just sowing the seed. He was sowing and throwing the seed. Now, when he would do that, some would hit hard ground, some would hit rocky ground, some would hit thorny ground, and some would hit good ground. Now, it doesn't take skill, it doesn't take training, it doesn't take education to scatter seed. What matters again, listen, it doesn't matter how you do it, what matters is that you do it. Why? Why is that so important? Because it is not the expertise of the sower, it is the quality of the soil that determines the harvest. Our part is to go and sow, God's part is to grow. So, our part Sowing the seed, okay? If you've got that, you understand that, raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand, okay? So here's what you just said to me. Here's what you just said to me, whether you realize it or not. So, Pastor, what you're telling me is I don't have to have a seminary degree to sow seed. You're right. I don't have to be ordained to sow seed. You're right. I don't have to know Greek and Hebrew to sow seed. You're right. I, I, I don't have to be formally trained to sow seed. You're right. And, Pastor, even though I may not be the best seed sower in the world, that really isn't important. You're exactly right. So what you're really saying is, I really can't mess up. That's right. You just throw the seed. You're just sowing the seed. I'm going to tell you how to do that in a moment. All right. Second thing. Our role is sowing the seed, but the missing person's part is receiving the message. Their job is to receive the message. Now remember, the focus of the parable, not on the sower, it's not on the seed, it's on the soil. Let me tell you why. You may be the best sower in the world. You may, you may have the reputation, man, I'm telling you, that guy can sow seed. I'm telling you, that guy's unbelievable. You ought, to just, you ought to go film this guy sowing seed. He's unreal how he does it. Man, he can do it like this. He can put it behind his back. He can put it between his legs. That guy's a sower, man. And you can have the best seed in the world. You can have Mercedes-Benz seeds. But if that soil is rotten, you're not going to have a harvest. Doesn't matter. No matter how great the soil is, how great the seed is, what matters is the soil. And what Jesus says is he identifies the heart of the missing people that we're trying to reach. He said there are really four kinds of hearts. Let's read the first in verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, verse 19, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Now, do you understand what Jesus is saying? What makes this book different from every other book you'll ever read? What makes the message of the gospel different from every other message you'll ever hear is this. You read God's word with your eyes. You hear God's word with your ears. But you receive God's word with your heart. Got that? You read it with your eyes. You hear it with your ears. But you receive it with your heart. And Jesus tells us about four different kinds of hearts in this parable. And by the way, they're probably all, there may very well be all, in fact, I will tell you this, there will be all four kinds of hearts in this building, either at this service or the next service, all four kinds of hearts are going to be in this room. Now, the first heart we just read about in verse 19 is described as the path. He, it fell along the path. Let me tell you what Jesus meant by that. In Palestine, people would walk through fields. 
And they would basically take the same path to where they were going. And as they walked along the same path, they would trample down all the grass so the ground would become rock hard. If you've ever been to a, a, a professional golf tournament, you can relate to this. People will walk along, they'll walk in the rough. And people walk, everybody's walking along the rough. And, 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 and they walk long enough that all that rough is trampled down. And you'll hear, if you watch golf, which I do, if you watch golf, you'll hear a commentator say, hey, he got a lucky break there because normally that would have been deep rough, but it's all been stamped down and pressed down by the crowd. It's become a hard path. Well, this is what Jesus was talking about. This would become rock hard ground. Now, this was the type of the soil where the seed could not get in. It got on the ground, but it did not get in to the ground. Now, everybody in this room knows people like that. We all know people, their hearts are as hard as an underground bunker. We all know people right now. You can, try to, you can preach a sermon. You can try to give them a track. You can try to share a testimony. It doesn't matter. It's going to be like the proverbial rubber ball bouncing off the concrete wall. And these are the kinds of people, their attitude toward church and their attitude toward God and their attitude toward the Bible and their attitude toward people like you and me, their, their attitude is somewhere between complete disinterest to outward hostility. I mean, all you got to do to say someone like this, all you got to do is say words like Jesus, salvation, or God, and they'll tell you, no, not interested. We all know there are people out there like that, hard-hearted, right? Then Jesus says, well, now there's a second kind of heart, verse 20 and 21. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Now, those of you who have been to Israel with me are, I'd like to invite you to go. I'm, Teresa and I are going to go in May and June, and I'd love to have you go with me if you've never been. It's an unbelievable trip. But if you go to Israel with me, if you've been to Israel with me, you know that Israel has an abundance of rocks. There's one thing they don't lack in. They've got rocks everywhere. And much of Israel is simply limestone and bedrock that's just covered over with this thin layer of soil. You, you'll be looking out of the field, and it looks like it's a real fertile dirt field. It's really not. There's a layer of dirt, but underneath that are just these hard rocks. Now, in the first soil, the seed could not get in. But now this is soil where the seed could not get down. And these are the people, and you know them, I know them, I've seen, I've seen them, in, I've seen them come and go all the time. They receive the message with joy. They give their appearance. They're ready to follow Jesus, but they're really not. For example, these are the people who will walk by a pastor after a sermon, and here's what they'll say. Pastor, that was a great message. But what they're thinking is, ain't going to change me. I'm not going to do anything about it. You tell them, pastor. You tell them. Yes, sir. They, we, ought to be, we ought to be out there fishing for people. I'm not doing it. You're right. We ought to be tithing. I'm not tithing. They, they, they receive the word with joy, but after a little bit of thought, no, nope, not me. These are the people who come to Jesus for the wrong reason. They, they, they come for health and wealth. They come for success and satisfaction because they thought, you know what? If I'll give my heart to Jesus, all my troubles will be gone. Everything will disappear. God will take care of all of my problems. And they think they're joining God's army as a four-star general. They think, okay, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. I'm going to sit behind a desk. I'm going to give orders. But the first time they hear a bullet go by, the first time they have a bomb explode, the first time something goes wrong, they say, you know what? This really isn't for me. And the first time they realize that if you're going to follow Jesus, it means surrender, and it means commitment, and it means sacrifice, 
they check out. Here's a great example. We have people here all the time do this. They'll check off on our decision card. I pray to receive Christ. And then they'll give us contact information. And we'll call them. And we'll email them. And we'll write them. They won't return our phone calls. They won't return our emails. They will never, ever darken the door of our church. We'll never, ever see them again. And just mention being baptized, and all of a sudden they discover this allergy to water. It's incredible. They, they received the word with joy, but they really didn't mean it. It was just kind of a surface thing. Then there's this third kind of heart, verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now, the first soil was where the seed couldn't get in. The second soil was where the seed could not get down. The third soil is where the seed cannot get out. The word of God is choked out by financial prosperity and worldly possessions. Gold gets in the way of God, and silver gets in the way of salvation. These are the people who hear the word of God, and they say they want to follow the Son of God. But then things start getting in the way like the lake house and the golf course and the condo at the beach and the extra money and the bigger paycheck and the corporate ladder. It even gets in the way of the people that don't have those things, but they want them so badly they're going to sell their soul to get them. You what? You know what breaks my heart? It is amazing, and it's also sad to hear to, to hear how so many people who've hit it big in Hollywood and Wall Street and Nashville will talk about their spiritual upbringing. Their dad was a pastor. They grew up in church. They grew up singing hymns. They grew up singing gospel music, and yet somehow they just walked away from it. Jesus said, "There are going to be people just like that." And, and, and by the way, let me just kind of help you out here. You're sitting there and you're going, "You know what? You see why I don't do it." You see why I don't do what you asked me to do? I mean, I mean, look at this. I mean, you, why, why bother sowing the seed? I mean, here's a farmer. He sowed one seed. It didn't work. He sowed some more seed. It didn't work. He sowed some more seed. It didn't work. I mean, what's the use of even trying? Well, look at the last heart, verse 23. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understand it. He indeed bears fruit, and he yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now watch this. Yeah, you got the path, and you got the rocky soil, and you got the weedy, thorny soil. You got that. But then you've got this good soil. And this is the heart that hears the word of God and receives the word of God. It, 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 it's so wonderful to see this. Here's a man, he says, you know what? I'm receptive to the word of God. I hear it. I'm responsive to the word of God. I get it. I want to reproduce the word of God. I want it to bear fruit in my life. And it's that good soil that keeps that farmer coming back. It's that good soil that keeps that farmer going back to the field and that fisherman going back to the water. You know, if you play golf, you know we've all had this happen. You know, you play just a lousy, terrible, rotten, stinking round like a lot of you are capable of doing. And, 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 and you know, you, you're just about to give the game up, and it always happens. God knows what he's doing. Last hole, last shot, you hit this shot two inches from the green. You say, man, I'm back. I'm coming back next week. It's that, you know, you, that one shot will bring you back. And what you'll find is this. Yeah, there are all kinds of people out there that will tell you no, they're not interested, they're not really with it. They'll tell you they mean business, and they really don't. But then 
you hit the mother load. You hit a Jeremy that doesn't have a clue about Jesus, not a clue. And now it comes up to me every single Sunday after a sermon, hugs my neck, tells me how much he loves Jesus. Getting married to one of the most beautiful girls in the world. You didn't know I was going to say any of that, did y'all? And see, it's the Jeremy's that keep you coming back. It's the Jeremy's that keep you in the game. It's the Jeremy's that make you say, you know what? I don't care if 99 people say no. When I get that one yes, it makes it worth it all. Just to have that one heart that says, hey, I'm receptive. Hey, I'm responsive. Hey, I'm reproductive. And I'm here to tell you today, there are a lot of empty chairs out there right now. They are ready to receive your seed. They are ready to become productive disciples. Not everybody is hearing impaired. There are people who will say yes. There are people who will mean it. There are people who will become fruitful for God's kingdom. You say, man, I can't wait to get out there. But wait a minute. When those times happen, when that seed pops up, when that plant bears fruit, it's not because of you. When people get saved in this service, it's not because of me. It's not because of that tear-jerking illustration I told. It's not because of that Greek word that I parsed. It's not because of that great theological truth I gave. It's not because of that real catchy one-liner that I can give sometimes. It's all because of God. And here's his role. God's part is producing the harvest. Our part, sowing the seed. Missing person's part, receiving the message. God's part, producing the harvest. Now watch this. All a farmer can do, sow the seed. Once he does that, the harvest is in God's hand. You go out and fish. Hey, there's only one thing you can do. I, I, I got you. You think you're a really great fisherman? Hey, can I just kind of humble you a little bit? You get the best bait you can. You get the best hook you can. You get the best rod and reel that you can. You go out there and you bait that hook and you throw it in the water. But I want to tell you, the moment that hook hits the water, you're depending on God. Because if God says to that fish, don't you bite, he ain't biting. All up to God. You can sow the seed. You can fertilize the soil. You can water it. But it's up to God to give the harvest. Up to God to catch the fish. Our job is to sow. God's job is to grow. And so here's what I want you to hear. The key to reaching missing people is not the presentation of the message. The key is the penetration of the heart. You can't do one thing about the penetration. All you can do is the presentation. So let me give it to you in the form of an equation. Okay, I, I, I made this up. Faithful sharers plus fertile soil equals fruitful success. Faithful sharers plus fertile soil equals fruitful success. So here's what I'm going to say to every one of you in this room. If you're just going out, if you'll just go out there starting today, if you'll just start sharing what you know, and if you'll just start living what you share, that's all God wants you to do. That's it. Just, just share what you know and live what you share. Now, you can sow and have no harvest. That's proven in the parable. But let me tell you one thing more certain than that. Let me make a, I'm going to make a money-back guarantee to every one of you in this room. You ready? If you don't sow, you won't have a harvest. 
Now that I can, you can, you can take that one to the bank. If you don't sow, you will never fill an empty chair if you don't sow. There'll never be a harvest. So we're going to help you do that right now. We're going to have a little mini sowing seed training session. Okay, just a little mini session, all right? In your worship guide, I want you to pull out that little pack of seeds that we gave. Just everybody tear that off, will you? Pull out that little, little pack of seeds. These are actual seeds. You can go plant these if you want to, okay? I don't know. Is yours, are yours carrots? All kind of different? Okay, all right. Well, I like carrots. I mean, I may, may plant carrots. I've never done it before. Anyway, you'll notice on the front of this packet, there are two spaces for your response to this message. Here's what I want you to do. It's real simple. I want you right now to think of someone. It may be a single person. It may be a couple. It may be an entire family. I don't care. I want you to think of one missing person that you could begin to sow a seed with this year. What I want you to do is write their name down on that packet of seeds. Do it right now. If you can't think of someone, ask God to give you someone, write it down. But before this day is over, don't let this day pass. This is your homework. You write someone's name down. Now, I want you to do is this right now. Pray for God to give you an opening to invite that person. to. This is so simple. All I'm going to ask you to do is ask God to give you a chance to invite that person to come to church here between now and Easter Sunday. So that, that's your assignment. You're going to write down one name, and your job's simple. Invite them to come to church between now and Easter Sunday. All right? Second thing I want you to do is this. Just as we sow seeds to grow in the Word, we need to be planted ourselves, right? So if you want to be a faithful share of God's Word and bear the fruit God's prepared for you, there is no better place to learn how to do that and do it together than getting involved in a small group. Getting involved in, 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 a, in a group, home group, campus group, doesn't make any difference. Now, I know that many of you are not in a group. Many of you are, but many of you are not. So I'm going to ask you to do something else today. I'm going to ask you to walk out of this building and not just sow a seed. I'm going to ask you to plant yourself in the community we cross, call Crosspoint. As you exit today, you're going to go out to the lobby. When you exit today, you're going to see this large display. And it's laid out just like the city of Atlanta. You can see I-85 right in the middle. And let me tell you, we even built it. There's no traffic. All around are tables representing home groups that are meeting in neighborhoods near you. Here's what I'd like to ask you to do. If you're not involved in any type of small group at all, none, I want to ask you to go out, find where you live, talk to the person out there that's heading up that area, and just try a home group for four weeks. That's all. Four weeks. Don't like it. We won't, you know, we're not going to bug you. Four weeks. I've told you many times. I'm going to keep telling you. Outside of preaching on the Word of God to you every Sunday, nothing impacts my life in this church, nothing like being in my home group, getting involved in my home group. It's just an unbelievable, you know, because I know, I know how it's grown me. I know, I, know, I know what it's like to step down from being the pastor and just be one of somebody else and learn with somebody else. And I just want you to just try for four weeks and see what it's like to be a part of biblical community. Now, you, you can step out in just a few moments when this service ends and just write down a home group. When you get out there and say, okay, I'm going to try this home group, wherever that home group may be. I want to try that home group. We ask you to do it for four weeks. Now, as you do, there's one last thing you need to know. We're going to wrap this up. This is important. Go all the way back to that first soil. Boy, that's the hard heart. Let me tell you something I've learned. With God's help, 
you can move people from one soil to the next. With God's help, you can move people from the hard soil to the rocky soil to the thorny soil to the good soil. You just have to take people where they are. And here's the truth. Here's what, Let me tell you the truth of the matter. You may think you know the soil that's out there. You don't. You may think you know someone's heart. You may say, you know, uh, listen, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to invite this guy to church. This guy, his heart is as hard as a rock. And what you don't know is it may be as soft as a pillow if you just reach out to him. So I'm going to prove it to you. About 10 years ago, in fact, it was right, right about the time we started this church, I got a call that a man in Laurel, Mississippi had died. And that's where I used to pastor years, many years ago. I pastored in Laurel, Mississippi. And I got a call that a man had died. And it was a bittersweet news to me because on the one hand, it was sad to know that this man had lost a battle to cancer. On the other hand, it was a joy to know that he was with Jesus. But I want to share his story with you. I pastored a church in Laurel, Mississippi, and we sponsored what we called a Starlight Crusade. We rented out the high school football stadium, and, and we invited a bunch of famous people to come to kind of draw the crowds, and they'd give their testimony, and I'd preach the gospel. Well, on this particular night, we had invited Terry Bradshaw to come. Terry Bradshaw, now on CBS, you know, sports or Fox Sports. He was at that time the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so we invited him to come and give his testimony. <clears throat> well, that night, there was a man that lived in Laurel, I'd never met him, didn't know him, by the name of Pacey Cohen. Pacey Cohen was driving home to commit suicide. Normally, he took a certain way. In fact, he usually would go right by our church where I pastored on his way home. For some reason, that night, he didn't take the normal way home. He took a different way home that took him right by the football stadium. So he's driving by the football stadium, determined to go home and blow his brains out. His whole life was falling apart. Family was falling apart. Marriage falling apart. Everything going to hell in a handbasket for him. He's going home to blow his brains out. And he sees this marquee, come here, Terry Bradshaw. Well, it just so happened he was a big Steelers fan. That was his favorite football team. So Pacey thinks to himself, you know, I'm going to get, get one last thrill. This is where I'm going to go out. I'm going to go hear my hero, Terry Bradshaw. Then I'm going to go home, and I'll blow my brains out. Well, after Bradshaw finished giving his testimony, he left the stadium because he had to take the plane back to Louisiana. He had to get back. And there was really nothing to keep Pacey Cohen, and he could have gotten up and left if he wanted to. And he told me later he tried, but he just couldn't do it for some reason. So Pacey was Jewish, had never heard the gospel in his life, never been in church in his life. Had anybody up to that point tried to share Jesus with him, he probably would have cursed them out. But I, he stays, and, and, and I got up, and all I did, I just sowed the seed, right? All I did, just threw the seed. And then I give the invitation. Well, there were, there were over 3,000 people there that night. Pacey is sitting on the very top row of those bleachers. And Pacey begins to watch as people begin to come down on that field and surrender their lives to Christ. He didn't move. He just, why? He's kind of, kind of amazed by people. He said, what are, what are these people doing? Why do they want to do this? Why do they want to give their life away to somebody they don't, don't even know? I was just about to finish the service when I said something that I had not planned to say. And, and, and in fact, I wrote this down later. This is what I said, and I had not planned to say this. I said, I'm quoting, there is someone here tonight, and it will be your last night on this earth if you do not come and give your heart to Jesus Christ. You will not be alive tomorrow, and you will spend eternity separated from God. Now, the amazing thing is, Pacey told me later he would have sworn in a court of law I was looking right at him when I said that. And I wasn't. I didn't even know the guy. I never met him. Never met the man. Here's how we did meet. 
We sang this one last stanza. And out of 3,000 people, the only person that walked down those bleachers, we had about 80 or 90 people that had come, but the only person that came down on that last song was Pacey Cohen. That night, he received Jesus Christ. The next Sunday, he joined our church. I baptized him. He headed up my pastor class. I used to teach a pastor Sunday school class. He headed up my pastor's class. And you ready for this? He quit his job and became a full-time evangelist for Jesus Christ. Now, wait, wait, wait. It gets better. It gets better. When his wife called me, to tell me that Pacey had died of lung cancer. She said, Pastor, I just have to tell you what happened. She said, he could only breathe 60 seconds without an oxygen mask. She said, I just want you to know that on the Monday before he died, with the last breath that he had and the last words that he spoke, he led his own nurse to Jesus Christ. This man died just sowing seed. God took a heart as hard as a rock and made it as soft as a pillow. Our job is to sow. God's job is to grow. I make you a promise. You do your job. God will do his. Let's pray together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You're here today and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You're a missing person. You're far from God. I just want to ask you a question. Do you want to be near to God? Do you have the kind of heart that says, if you'll just give me the opportunity and plant that seed in my heart, I'll let God grow it. Then just say this to the Lord right now. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I need to be saved. Come into my heart. I repent and turn away from my sins. By faith, I receive you into my life. And I trust you right now to save me. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want you to pull out that registration card that's attached to your order of worship. I want you to sign your name to it, give us some contact information. And then you can do one or two things with that card. Drop it in a message center when we leave or bring it to me. I'm going to be out at a table right out front. You can just bring me that card. All I'll do is just look at it. We'll have people out there that will pray with you and love you and tell you how to get started in your walk with God. It may be that you're here today and you'd say, "I've, I've already done that. I'm a follower of Jesus. Have you followed Jesus in baptism? That's the very first step God demands. Well, no, I haven't done that. Then your next step is to check out that box that says, Today I decided to be biblically baptized. I'm going to ask you to check off that box. Ask you right now to do that. Or maybe you want to start the membership process here. Again, you can drop that card in the message center or come to see me. I don't need to do that, Pastor. I'm a follower of Jesus.